fun. Today, I'm stoked. We're talking about Sabbath yesterday. Did you guys get some rest this morning? We couldn't have planned that extra hour better, right? The day after Halloween. Go out, party hard, eat lots of candy, stay up until three in the morning, and then get that extra hour of sleep. Some of you all look like you enjoyed that. Others of you look like you could have used an extra two hours. But it's okay. You look great anyway. Um, We're glad you're here. Uh, I was coming back from this conference in Seattle, and um, I had the privilege of being part of. And I was, it was one of those weeks where you have just a full week and you don't get everything done that you want to get done. And so I'm coming back in and it's Halloween and my kids are already, I don't know how they got hyped on candy, but they were all act, already acting hype on candy. And, um, and so they're just going crazy. They're excited. They can't wait to trick or treat. And they, um, they just kind of go back and forth a little. That's how it goes in the Larson household. You get candy and kids together and it's chaotic. You know, it's just what it is. And so in the middle of that, I'm stressing because I'm like, I've got to preach tomorrow and I don't have a sermon yet. And all of a sudden, the stress starts to build. You ever have that? Stress starts to build. The deadlines come and do. How am I going to get this done? What am I going to do? Freaking out. All of a sudden, in the middle of this time, it's supposed to be a beautiful family time. I find my heart totally stressed, not at rest. And we're about to go to the fines for a, for a Halloween party. And I'm just like, I'm snapping at the kids. I'm like, hey, stop. You know, just like way more Nazi dad than normal. Okay. I'm normally not like that. I'm normally like a super generous, kind, patient. Aren't I? I mean. Yeah, no. <laughs> Out of the mouth of babes. Yeah. I think I'm more patient, you know, than at least my parents were with me, but that's a whole other story. Um, ADD kid. So I'm just like stressing out, and, and all of a sudden it was like I had this moment where I realized I'm not at rest in my soul because I'm not trusting God for what he's going to do through my life. So I'm letting the stress rob me of this moment. I'm letting the stress rob me of all the good things that God wants to do in my life today. So I just want to invite you guys, as we sit in and we talk about the fourth commandment, which is Sabbath rest, I want to invite you to kind of separate out all the craziness from this week, the hustle and bustle, all the craziness from today, you know, and and, um, just just give this next few moments to God. I'm going to pray over us. And, And my hope today is that we would remember that we were created for rest. That the approval, the security, the control, all these things that we're seeking in our life are actually within our reach. And they're right there in the most, you know, place, one of those places that we're not quite aware of. And that is the presence of God that's all around us. I want you to leave here today at more rest in your walk with God than you've ever had with a more meaningful walk with God than you've ever had. The kind of walk with God that we dream about. And it's in within your reach today. So let me pray and then we're going to go to the text. Father, your word is life. You spoke the cosmos into existence by your word. You recreate us daily by your word. I pray that you would speak to us today. That this message of your truth, of what we have in our relationship with you would not be lost, Lord, 
because of distractions or lacks of skills of the communicator or any other thing that would get in the way, but that we would have a sovereign moment with you in this place. Have your way. Speak to us today. May we never be the same. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. I've asked John and Romero to come and, and read a couple passages, one from Exodus and one from Mark. So let's listen into the Word of God. And um, if you don't have it on your phone, you can follow along on the screen up here. Exodus chapter 16 in the NIV is what Rams is starting with. Exodus 16, uh, verse 13. That evening quail came and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread the Lord had given you to eat. This is what the Lord had, has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. And when they measured it by the omer, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. Then Moses said to them, No one is to keep any of, any of it until morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. Each morning, everyone gathered as much as they needed. And when the sun grew hot, it melted away. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much, two omers for each person. And the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. He said to them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil. Save whatever is left and keep it until morning. So they saved it until morning, as Moses commanded, and, did not, and it did not stink or get maggots in it. Eat it today, Moses said, because today is the Sabbath to the Lord. You will not find any of it on the ground today. Six days you are to gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will, be, there will not be any. Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it, but they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? Bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. That is why on the sixth day he gives you bread for two days. Everyone is to stay where they are on the seventh day. No one is to go out. So the people rested on the seventh day. Uh, good morning. I'll be reading um, Mark two twenty-three through 28. Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate consecrated bread, which is lawful only for the priest to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, the Sabbath was not made for man. Sorry, the Sabbath was made for man. <laughs> oh, man. 
<laughs> Not the man for Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. Amen. It's the Word of God. You were created for rest. You were created for rest in God. You were created for rest in God's finished work. In the beginning, God creates everything. We know the story. Out of nothing, God says, let there be light. And there was what? Yeah. And God divides the light from the darkness. And God divides the sea from the dry land. And God creates the stars and the sun and the moon. And all of a sudden, the dry land begins to bring forth trees. And the sea begins to bring forth fish. And the sky birds and land animals appear. And then God, the word of God had formed all of this. And God takes the raw materials. And God crafts it together with his own hands and shapes a man. And then God breathes into him the breath of life, the spirit of God, the pneuma. God breathes into him and man becomes a living soul. Man is literally the product of the word of God and the spirit of God. You know, what happens if you take a tree out of the soil? Tree comes, tree comes from the soil, right? That's an environment. What happens when you take a tree out of the soil? Yeah. What about when you take a fish out of water? Yeah. It dies. What's our environment? What were we created from? The word of God. The spirit of God. And when we get separated from that, we start to die. So the, the first day, man opens his eyes. And what's the first thing he sees? creator God and the first thing he experiences is rest in six days God creates the world God finishes his work and on the seventh day what's God do he rests and that seventh day is the first day of man's existence you were created to rest in God and then to create from that rest to create out of the rest that God has provided for you in his work. But what do we do? Like, think about our lives. How many of you can identify with this? You work as hard as you can all week long to just try to earn a little bit of rest. Anybody? To justify taking some time off having some space, catching your breath. So you got to finish those reports. you got to do, do, do. We forget we're a human being, not a human doing, right? And our life becomes defined by our work, our work every day. And then we finally maybe get a day off. And if you're like me at all, maybe you take half the day worrying about the stuff you didn't do right the week before or worrying about the stuff you need to do the next week. Anybody? Yeah, and then we wonder why we're so tired, so unfulfilled, so disconnected from one another and from the God who created us. Let me ask you a question, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. What are some reasons why we don't take a real rest? What are some of the reasons? Maybe you've experienced this. 
Maybe somebody you know has experienced this. Maybe not you, just somebody you know. But what are some reasons why we don't take a real rest? Suzanne? Uh, we have an addiction for Have an addiction, what? Mm, addiction for busyness. We glorify busyness. Maybe even find our identity in our productivity. Yeah, great. Yeah, what else? Saw another hand. Jeff. I was going to say discontent. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to fix my life. I'm going to get content with my status, my identity, who I am by doing. Navid? Uh, guilt. Mm. Guilt. Ugh. Guilt sucks. <laughs> Not feeling worthy enough. Katie? Mm. Yeah, so even though God put me here, I still feel this need to prove myself to other people around me, maybe coworkers, maybe bosses, maybe even people in my life, husbands, wives, kids, anybody, prove myself through my work and show that I actually deserve to be here. Yeah, I've earned it. Matt? Fear of feeling the stuff that pops up when you stop Mmm. Oh, dude. Yeah, that, that one hits me right there. How many Sabbaths have I taken and you flip on Netflix and veg all day because you're scared to death of the silence? You're scared to death of just being in the moment and having peace. Yeah, Ashley. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so there's so much work that has to be done. There's no way I can stop and take a break right now because there's still more to do. Yeah. So we don't feel, yeah. Uh, Dave. I find in, in, in insecurity, you create an environment around you where everything has to flush it and only you can fix it. Mm. You're afraid to leave it because it's all going to fall apart. Wow. It's there all the time. It's not going to fall apart. We want to feel needed. We want to feel like, like uh, almost, it's almost a savior complex for some, right? It's like, everybody needs me. If I don't do this, it's not going to get done. And we build our identity around that. And then we get in this trap where we're the one that has to do it then. Yeah. Nancy. God's not enough, so I do it myself. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So you guys sensing the pattern here? Yeah, I know most of you guys are referring to your friends who struggled with it. <laughs> We burn ourselves out. And then we like spend our days off trying to even, maybe even forget about work. Maybe running. Maybe hating work. Has that ever happened to you? Yeah. And I mean, look at your office. When you walk in on Monday versus Friday, do you sense a difference in the office or in the classroom? Or like you walk in on Monday and it's like, ah, somebody looks like they have a case on the Mondays. You're like, man, I wish they'd move that guy's desk. He says that every Monday. <laughs> or Friday comes along and everybody's like, hey, thank God it's Friday. You know? Living for the weekend, baby. Weekend warriors. What are some of the things we try to find rest in besides God? I Games. Games. Yes. Yes. 
both electronic gaming and also the games we play. (laughs) Sounded smart. Um, What else? What are some of the other things we try to find rest in? Your mattress. Yeah, but actually, we do that, don't we? We believe that physical rest is going to give us the real rest we're craving. I mean, don't get me wrong, we need some physical rest. Yes, absolutely. Ashley? Escape. I'm sorry? Escape. escape. Yeah, where are some of the things we escape to? Have you? Walmart. Walmart. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Just to get greeted. I feel so warm when I walk in. Yeah, absolutely. It feels like Christmas when I walk in. Yeah, what? Entertainment? Movies, Netflix? Yeah. Yeah, so we throw ourselves into things to distract ourselves oftentimes. It's, it's pretty wild. But back in the beginning, God's first, the first day, God commands us to rest in Him, to rest in His work, and then creatively work out of that rest of being present with your Creator. Being present with God. The one who spoke you into existence and breathed life into you. To, to participate in this ongoing creation of the world. I'll tell you what, man. Some of us, we hate work. And I'll be honest with this. Like, I don't know how to say this. This isn't in my notes. I'll just be real. Like, maybe some of us need to change jobs. Because we're not participating in anything greater than ourselves. It's not this creative impulse from, you know, we're created in the image of God to be creators. To take the raw material of the world around us. To participate in the ongoing creation of the world. To building culture. And some of us are just uninspired with our work, aren't we? And why do we do that? Well, paycheck. Security. Approval. Right? Or some of us are, are, we're killing ourselves to try to earn something that's already ours in our relationship with God. Or maybe some of us are overworking at those jobs to try to prove ourselves or gain security or or funds. Maybe we just need to rest more. Maybe we need to figure this out. But in this passage we read, God provides manna in the wilderness. God gives this commandment to Israel, the fourth commandment, that you will not forget, but you will remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, sacred unto your God. That kind of does away with half the Sabbaths that I take, right? When I'm totally like it's a day off and I'm vegging away from God into all these other things I'm looking for rest in. But God says, no, you're my people. I have a calling on your life. You're going to be different. You're going to be different. You're going to look different. You're going to rest in my provision for you instead of what you provide for yourself with your own hands. And then you're going to work from that rest. And here's the cool thing about it. They're a community of light with other nations looking on that are going to see the ways of God embodied in how this community lives together in the rhythms that their life embodies. So he says, no, you're not going to be like them. They're killing themselves to try to get ahead. Some of them don't even take a day off. But you're going to take a day off and you're going to trust me with it. You're going to trust me to make up the difference. When when we say, oh man, I've got too much work. I I can't take a day off. God says, no, trust me with it. Trust me with it and watch what I can do with it. How many of you guys work better when you're rested? Yeah, that's just physically, mentally. 
Can you imagine how much better you'll work, much more creatively you'll engage with soul rest and trust in God? So God says, I'm even going to give you 40 years as a pattern in the wilderness to show you how I'm going to provide for you. So God sends manna, right? Which, anybody know what that means? What is it? Yeah, nobody knows. It's this weird dew stuff that appears on the ground. And the crazy thing about it for me is this, is that God, God says, look, it's going to appear, and then on Monday, it's going to show up on the ground. Gather it, measure it, you will always have enough. Okay, take it into your house, eat it, but don't save it for the next day. That's why it's called daily bread. Don't save it for the next day. Trust me, I'm going to provide more tomorrow. And what do they do? They save it. And what happens? It rots. It stinks. It produces worms and maggots. It's gross. When you don't trust God, sometimes life turns out that way. Anybody ever had work start to rot and stink and yeah yeah and but, but here's the really strange and cool part this is where you know it's divine right god says but on the sixth day i want you to gather twice as much and it's gonna only on that day it's gonna last twice as long and then you're gonna have plenty it won't rot it won't stink it won't turn into worms and maggots crazy think about that that faith that divine trust, that relationship with God, how often he shows up like that in our life and says, look, I'm going to, does that show up in our money too? Like, hey, I'm going to give you the ability to work. I'm going to give you the power to go in and earn wealth. And then what I want you to do is trust me with a percentage of it. And if you'll trust me with that, I'm going to be busy pouring more into you. You can't outgive God. In the same way, he says, do that with not just your treasure, but your time. Do it with your time. Trust me with a percentage of it. Yeah, that's great. Trust me with a percentage of it, because here's the deal. Who gave us all our time? Yeah. So under the law, we're called to give God at least one percentage of our week. The smallest divisible point, one-seventh of our week. Give it to me. Trust me with it. And see what I'll do with it. But when we don't do that, what ends up happening? The rot, the maggots, the worms. Life starts stinking. It starts falling apart. But if we would trust him, then that little bit of work that we didn't think we could get done, so we couldn't take a break. Instead, if we trust God, he promises that it will be enough. Think about that. Think about that. And we'll get into the gospel and how that frees us to to trust even more than just a percentage. Okay, so he says, trust me. Let me ask you a question. Did they do it? What did we see in the scripture? Did they, did they trust him? No. So Israel has this, and we've gone through this. I don't want to bore you guys with the details, but just really briefly, Israel will trust God for a little bit, and then God will be busy blessing them, and they'll enter into this time of prosperity and all this stuff. And then what happens? They stop trusting God. They start worshiping false gods. They stop keeping the Sabbath. They start, stop honoring him in his commandments. And what ends up happening? God removes his protection. The enemies come in and they start taking over. And then the people freak out. Oh man, God, I'm so sorry. Uh, we'll start keeping your Sabbath. We'll start giving. We'll start living this life you've called us to. And God will sweep back in and save them. And this is like the history of Israel 
Every few generations this happens. Over and over. It's a broken pattern. And by the time of Jesus, these guys have risen to power named the Pharisees. And the Pharisees are these people, because they're under the thumb of the Roman Empire, they're like, guys, look, we can get the life we want if we will just honor God with his law and do what he says. So they take the law and they start to use God's law to get the life they want instead of out of their love for God. So the, the, the whole Sabbath thing becomes 39 commandments. One commandment becomes 39 commandments. It's crazy. It doesn't lead to life. I remember I'm in Israel and, oh boy, this is like eight years ago. And I eat breakfast down in the hotel and I go and I get in the elevator. And I step into the elevator and um, it goes up one level and stops. And I like look around. Nobody, nobody's trying to come in. Um, okay, what's up? I look at the, the buttons and none of the lights are lit. Like, what's going on here? Then it goes up to the next level. The door's open. It stops. Dude, seriously, is somebody playing a prank on me? I thought it was like that scene from Elf where somebody, you know, runs in blah, 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 and hits all the buttons. But none of the buttons were lit up. And so I'm like, man, this is an elaborate prank. Who, like, ran up the stairs and hit every button from the outside? This is crazy. And I'm on the 38th floor. So I'm hating life right now. <laughs> Come to find out, this is the Shabbat elevator. Has anybody heard of this? Because on the Sabbath, on the Shabbat, you can't push the elevator button. That's one of the rules. That, that's considered doing work. And so you have your regular elevators, which I didn't know there was a difference here. Thank you to my tour guide. Um, so I sat on that elevator for 38 floors. You know, you know they don't even tear toilet paper on the Sabbath. They pre-tear it the night before. So just imagine how your Friday night could look next week. All right, kids. You know, one ply at a time. Yeah, so that's, that's a bit of the history. And that's the kind of legalism that had, that had crept in and replaced this loving law, this loving commandment that God gave the uh, children of Israel. Um, John Calvin says that the human heart is an idol factory. And I think that's exactly what happened. The Pharisees had twisted God's command to something that was supposed to be given for life, and they had turned it into something that, that created death. And the Sabbath, Jesus comes along, and in this story, it's amazing to me, the disciples are walking through a grain field. And they, all they're doing is they're putting your hand out, and you're getting a little bit of grain and throwing it into your mouth. And the Pharisees come along and say, hey, wait a second, you're breaking the law. What? You're harvesting on the Sabbath. I'm not hard. I don't, I don't have a sickle. I'm just out here just gleaning. Like in my hand, I'm hungry. And Jesus comes along and tells them this story. And this kind of story is tough for legalists. He says, hey, wait a second. What about when David broke the law? Do you remember that? And the Pharisees are like, when did David break the law? And he says, remember David broke the law? He was running from Saul. He was God's man, anointed to be the next king, running for his life, ends up at the house of Abiathar the priest. And they have... He and his guys are starving, and all they have is the special bread, the, the table, you know, the show bread, the, the bread that the priest can eat, and it's illegal for anybody else to eat them. And the priest gives it to David and his men, and they eat it. And Jesus doesn't seem to make this seem like it's a bad point, does it? He, he, he kind of exonerates it, and he says, like, what do you think of that? And they all have scrambled eggs for brains now, because it doesn't fit in their framework, in their legalistic mindset of how things should go. And then Jesus says, guys, you're missing the point. The Sabbath 
Thanks for saying this, John. The Sabbath was not... Wait, now I'm confused. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. You've turned this into this crushing thing that's destroying reality. It was made to give you rest, not to deprive you of life. So you went from it never obeying it, never trusting my heart in it. And, and now you've swung the whole other way. You swung from being lawless to being a legalist about it. And now you're killing people and you're crushing people under this reality of Sabbath. And Jesus says, you're missing the point because what? I am the, what's he say? I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. When we don't Sabbath, it's because we aren't trusting the Lordship and the love of God. Like, the amount of rest that you take in your life is directly related to the amount of rest you have in your soul, which is directly related to the amount of trust you have in your God. In other words, if you trust your God, you will have deep soul rest to draw out of, and you'll be able to really rest in life. You'll be able to take a day off. You'll be free to take a Sabbath and say, ah, that work will be waiting for me on Monday morning. I'm going to rest in God. You'll be free to, to, from all the approval that we seek with our job, like we were talking about earlier. Be free from being a slave to a false sense of security that you can somehow provide for yourself with your two hands when we know who's our provider. Who is? God, yeah. Yeah. If you believe the gospel, you'll freely Sabbath, you'll freely rest. And I, I confess, man, like half the time I don't. Half the time I don't believe the gospel. Half the time I end up on Halloween yelling at my kids because my soul's not at rest, because I'm trying to prove myself by having the perfect sermon. Man, if I could just preach that perfect sermon, then everybody would really love me. That would, that would be it. What am I looking for there? I'm looking for my significance out there in somebody else's eyes. Instead of trusting, I already have that significance in the loving eyes of my father. I need more moments in my life where I open my eyes up and all I see is my creator God and all I experience is rest in his finished work. In fact, once you start to get the gospel, and Tom hinted at this earlier in a comment, you'll go from saying like one-tenth of your finances is his to seeing all of it is his because he's your provider and you can trust him. And you know, the more you give, you cannot give God. He's going to give back to you. He's going to be busy pouring into you for his kingdom. And you'll be able to trust him with all your time, not just a day. But, but look at your Sabbath as a tutor, if you will. Look at your Sabbath as a time you say, I'm going to really trust God with this day and see what he does with the rest of the week. Try it out. I challenge you. And see what happens. See if you won't begin to trust him with more days. See if you won't experience more Sabbath in the waking moments of every day on your lunch breaks. So what's the good news today? The good news is that Jesus is the Sabbath. The Sabbath day under the law is rest from our labor, but in Jesus we actually get full heart level life rest because of his labor for us. The Sabbath is great because it gives you one day of rest, like we talked about. But in Jesus, we get rest for the rest of our lives. True rest. Like the kind of stuff our heart 
is searching for. Why? Because Jesus perfectly rested. And you guys know this story. I could probably even ask you, how did Jesus perfectly obey the Sabbath? And one example after another would start to pour in because Jesus, every day of his life, rested in the Father's loving care for him. He always did exactly what the Father told him to do. Jesus was fully engaged with the Father, and then he entered into that creative work the Father had given him to do out of divine, supernatural rest. What if your life started to look more like that? What if what you experienced at work this week was divine, supernatural rest, no matter what's going on circumstantially, deep in your soul? And out of that, you begin to create. Out of that, you begin to engage in the work of God through construction, through accounting, through school, through whatever work he's placed into your hands at this point whatever raw materials he's placed in front of you. And you begin to engage in the ministry that God has for you. You were created to rest. Jesus rested. Jesus rested in God. Jesus rested in God's finished work and he came and he actually embodied it and completed it. The security, the approval, the rest that you dream of are within your reach And it's not in making enough money to be able to rest. It's not in getting enough status so you can finally rest. It's actually resting in what God has for you already. So my prayer for you today is that you'd begin resting by drawing deep from your relationship with God and really re-engage. Really re-engage in the calling He has in your life from a place of rest. I'll be honest with you, man. It, It was this past... This past month, I started getting so burnt out. I started getting so tired. I didn't know what I was going to do. And then you know what else I noticed? I started noticing it in the eyes of people in this church. Because one of the things that can happen with us is that we just get so locked in on the doing that we forget about the being, forget about resting in God. And we start to find our identity in what we do. That's what had happened to me. And my prayer for us today is that we would be free from those burdens that we've put on ourselves, that we'd be free from seeking security, significance, value, approval, all that stuff in our work, and we would trust that because the gospel, because of what Jesus has done, not only he rested perfectly in our place, but then he died to take on the sin of our unrest so that you could have complete approval with the Father, complete provision in every area that God has called you to in your life. That's the good news of the gospel in Jesus Christ. I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to come down and take communion. And um, I pray that as we would, that you guys would just really engage in this question of what does it mean for me to repent and believe the gospel in this aspect? when it comes to Sabbath, when it comes to rest? What does it mean for me to really rest inside of God where I've been resting outside of God? So we're going to engage in communion in a second, but I just want to pray over us. And um, I had some more notes, but I just feel like, I feel like I need to close right here and just give us time to really work this out as a community. So um, let me pray, and then we're going to come up here and take communion together. I'll give some instruction. 
Um, Father, thank you so much that you didn't create us to try to earn our way, earn our significance. You didn't create us to do anything before we've already rested in our relationship with you. Thank you that we find the rest our souls are looking for in you, specifically in Jesus Christ, who came and rested and created out of that rest. I pray that we'd be able to do that. I pray that we'd remember what Jesus said, his infamous words, when he said, I'm the bread come down from heaven. I'm the manna of life. And whoever will eat my flesh and drink my blood will have part from me, but whoever will not has no part with me. And everybody walked away. They freaked out. And he looked at his disciples and said, will you go also? I pray that we'd remember that Jesus Christ has become our provision. The deepest soul needs that we're really searching for when we're overworking, when we're resting in the wrong things, when we're doing this all backward, what we're looking for, we have all along right here in our relationship with God with you, and I pray that you would remind our hearts of that today. I pray that your word would reshape us and reform us just like we were shaped in the dust. I pray that your spirit would breathe new life into our bones. And as we take communion today, you would do a work far beyond what any of us can do, God, that you would really challenge us and draw us to yourself. In Jesus' name, amen. So guys, as we come down here and ending communion, uh, for those of you who have been around here for a while, you know how we do.